I've had three or four people tell me to speak quickly today because there's important games. <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk for an hour and a half today. We're going to read the entire Bible in one sitting. All right. Uh, well, like I said, Happy New Year to you all. Um, as I was reflecting, tomorrow's technically Epiphany, so we're kind of in this liminal space of uh, we have the second Sunday after Christmas, and then we have Epiphany tomorrow. So I, I chose this week uh, to focus on um, the new beginnings, because I feel like that's important uh, for us as a community. Um, but my hope is, if I have time, uh, to send out a reflection on Epiphany tomorrow, because I also think that's really important as well, because it really is this encounter of the, really the Gentiles coming to know Christ, and it's that pivotal moment. That's why we have our beautiful banner from Christine of the, the kings, um, the wise men meeting them. Um, so this year, as I was reflecting um, on 2020, uh, I don't have any corny like 2020 vision or anything like that. Uh, I don't have anything in that regard. I, I really wanted it to be wide open for us to explore uh, what does it mean to follow Jesus this year? And so one of the questions that I had, not so much for you to talk about and then give back to me, but it's just something that I want for us to hold this morning. Um, Tom's going to put it up there for me. It says, as we begin the new year, what are you anticipating? Um, I think there's something just about the rhythm of the calendar, the rhythm of life, which just leads us into new things. Um, we kind of, like we say, the New Year resolutions that inevitably fail by the end of January, that sort of thing. Um, but maybe you've had an opportunity to reflect on, um, in this new year, something that's stirring up in your heart. Maybe it's something that you want to see change, maybe something continues, something new, something old, whatever it may be. Um, but I, I want you to reflect on that this year. I think that's a really important question. Uh, the reason why I used anticipating rather than expecting is because one of the things that I've learned uh, in my short 36 years is there's a massive difference between expecting and anticipating. And the way that we posture our hearts is very different in expecting versus anticipating. And so really this year, um, I want us to have not expectation, but anticipation. Because I do believe um, Scripture is very clear um, that we can anticipate things from God. Uh, whereas it's different to expect things. That's where disappointment comes into play. So when I was uh, looking at my heart, one of the things that I was really, really stood out to me uh, was this word uh, that Tom's going to put up, is the word trust. Um, this is, this for, for me, um, is a year of trust. And it's hard for me to not look at Scripture from that lens. So I'm prefacing everything I'm about to say that Best case scenario, this is for me. Uh, so I'll be speaking to myself this morning. But I feel like it's for us as a wider community. Um, is this concept of what does it mean to trust God? These, these passages that we read through are largely about wisdom. So it's kind of like what's that overlap between wisdom and trust and all of that? And I'm going to kind of uh, tell you a little story of something that happened this week because uh, school, Redlands was out, school district was out, so I had the blessing of being with my boys all week long. <laughs> And, and Titus was sick, so that was even more fun. Um, and and I, I mentioned previously that 
Judah had spent uh, this, whole, this whole past year saving money to get his Nintendo Switch. That's what he wanted. Um, and so he's been playing that all week, which I'm fine because he just kind of does his thing and I do my thing, right? Um, and then randomly one night, he asks me a question, and I have this question up here. Um, he says, what happens if God didn't make night, just day? I'm like, buddy, it's like 8.30. <laughs> I don't know if we're going to talk about that. But I was really intrigued and, because, uh, like many of you maybe, uh, I always kind of start the year and I try and start in Genesis. And maybe I don't read the whole Bible throughout the year because I kind of get stuck in certain places and I reflect. But I had just been reading Genesis 1. So this was really kind of a prescient question for me. It was, what if God didn't make night and he just made day? And the reason why he was asking me this is because he's been playing this game um, that Tom's going to put up on there for me. Zelda, Breath of the Wild. And, um, and I accidentally, I bought him the wrong game, right? I was supposed to buy him another one, which I ended up getting him because he's spoiled. Um, <laughs> but he beat that game in like two weeks, so he's been playing this game. And I won't pretend to know much about it. It's beyond me, and that makes me feel really old because I used to know this stuff, you know? Um, but I've been watching him play it. And it's kind of an open game, right? Like, you can do whatever you want. And what's been really interesting for me, and this is where that question came from, is that it goes through a 24-hour time period. So you actually see in the bottom right-hand corner if it's what time it is during the day, what time it is during the night. There's two moons, so there'll be two moons. And so I've been, I've been observing him as he's been playing this game is because he's asking me, what if there wasn't night? Now, his motivation is, I guess, there's scary skeletons at night, and he doesn't want to defeat the scary skeletons, right? But I asked him, do you ever let Link sleep? And he said, no. I was like, what? <laughs> he's like, no, because I can get more stuff. I was like, well, you know, unpack that for me a little bit. And I guess while he's playing it, if you do things, challenges at night, you get certain things. And if you do things during the day, you get certain things. And so his motivation is, if I just play 24 hours, I'll just get more stuff. And I was like, okay. Hence why he just wants daytime. And so then I started reflecting on this, and, and that's why uh, I, I chose to use in the beginning. Because really, uh, Genesis tells us this story of God creating, and God chose in his wisdom um, to make morning and evening. I mean, this is the first pages of, of the Bible. I'll just read it to you. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while the wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. Why did God create light and darkness? I mean, that's, that's, let's wrestle with this for a second. Why did God create light? What? So we can rest. I mean, right answer. <laughs> but I, I thought it was so interesting. I mean, my seven-year-old son, he has the option to give his person rest. And what did he choose to do? Work. 
No rest. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. The big difference is, is that there's magic potions that can keep Link going. Uh, our magic potion, which is coffee, doesn't keep us going, <laughs> right? Um, only for so long. And so I was, I was reading this, and in God's wisdom, um, he creates light and dark. If we jumped over to Genesis 2, which is the end of sort of the, the first part of the creation story, it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished in all their multitude, and on the seventh day God finished the work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because on it God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. Well, if you've heard me speak before, uh, about this, you know that I find this powerful because whereas God did all the work for us, our first sort of interaction in terms of life and living and relationship was rest. So God does all this work, 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 and then he rests. But humanity is the reverse of that. It's rest into work. So he's continuing his wisdom. So he's not just marking the days and times for light and darkness and leading us into that. He's showing us what it looks like to work from a place of rest, work from a place of relationship. It's the hallowedness, it's the holiness of that rest. And so I found it super counterintuitive. Why is it that we have a culture that really pushes against that? And why do we go along with that? You get more done, right? More, more, more. Yeah. So I really want us to wrestle with that because what I read in this, and this is kind of the first time I've ever read it this way, is this requires trust of us. It requires trust. Rest requires trust. Trust that me stopping to do something is more beneficial than me continuing to do something. And I don't know about you, but when I hear that, even in my own head, I'm like, oh, but like if I just did this, like just a little bit more. And that's, I mean, I, again, I'm just kind of using the video game as a metaphor. I can't tell you how many times I've heard this week, just a little bit longer, Dad. Just a little bit more. Just five more minutes, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's so interesting to me. And so, you know, with this idea of trust and this idea of wisdom, what are we actually trusting in is the wisdom of God. See, the thing is, is I was asking that question of what does it mean, like what, what are we holding, what are we anticipating in our hearts? Is do we trust God in his wisdom that what we're anticipating may not go the way that we want it to. Do we trust him? Do we trust his wisdom? Do we trust his ways? And that was a challenge for me. Not like a challenge like, oh, I don't know that I trust you, but more it was like, in everything that I do, do I trust you? Do I trust your ways? Do I trust your wisdom? I keep on repeating that. Now, we see, this was in the lectionary, um, the first king... Uh, passage that Marlene read for us. Many of us are familiar with Solomon. Solomon is a direct descendant of David. He's David's son. And Solomon is known for his wisdom. 
He's known for the ways that he operated. But what's really interesting is I spent some time um, researching this. So 1 Kings and 2 Kings are written together, and the author of 1 Kings and 2 Kings is making a point here. Um, I'll, I'll point you to it. It's on page 266. Uh, verse 2 in chapter 3 says, The people were sacrificing at the high places, however, because no house had yet been built for the name of the Lord. So everything that's about to be said about what Solomon's going to do or what he's experiencing is set within a context. And what is the context? So prior to this point, there had been no temple. David had not built the temple. In fact, God told him, do not build a temple. Solomon was to build a temple. So in that time, Israel is known for, for one thing, really, unfortunately, which is worship of other gods. And how did they worship other gods? Is that he would go to high places and they would go to shrines, and they would do sacrifices in these high places to these other gods. Now, because that was a familiar way of worshiping, Israel decided, God ordained, God willed it, God allowed it, that the way that Israel could worship when there is no temple is they could go to high places and they could worship. And this was for a time. It was for a time. So Solomon, it says, Love the Lord. He walked in the statues of his fathers. And he only sacrificed, only he sacrificed and offered incense at the high places. The author of 1 Kings is already saying only because it was okay for a period, not for the long term. What you'll see later on in 1 Kings 11 is that um, Solomon, after the temple is built, Solomon continues to sacrifice in high places, and it's largely because he has many wives. And his many wives worship other gods. So here's this wise man that we read about. And I found it like uh, really interesting. I keep on using that word. If you noted when Marlene was reading, was, was Solomon awake when this was happening? It felt like it, but he was resting. He was resting. And in his rest, in his sleep, God came to him and said, hey, what would life look like for you? And he said, well, I don't know what I'm doing, so uh, I guess wisdom, please. <laughs> And God was like, okay, and on top of that, I'm going to give you these things. And God says here, there's not going to be anybody that's going to be wiser than you. Like when it comes to how somebody's going to live life, there's not going to be somebody that's going to be doing it better than you'll do it. And even in the midst of that sort of wisdom, we find just a few chapters later that rather than follow fully the ways of God, what does Solomon do? He chooses to sin. He chooses to make sacrifices to other gods. It was okay for people to have multiple wives at that time. Not okay now. We're not polygamists. Um, but at the time, it was an acceptable means of life. Um, and God said, mm, that's not okay. Now, we fast forward, and I, and I have to ask myself, why, why is it that Solomon, full of wisdom, made that decision. And I wonder if it was trust. Did Solomon place his trust in his own wisdom, in his own ways, or did he choose to trust God's ways? Because we see that he had a heart after God. But then somewhere along the way, it starts to shift and it starts to get redirected. And can you relate to that? And that's part of this whole rest and trust 
sort of cycle, rest and wisdom sort of cycle, is when we choose to rest in the ways of God, then we increase in our trust of God because we see how he operates. And then we rest, and then we trust, and then we rest, and then we trust. And so we see, fast forward, um, as is prophesied, is that there would be in the lineage of David, there would be a king that would be an eternal king. And who is that eternal king? It's Jesus. And we see that Jesus does something really interesting as a young boy. So we have Solomon who he says, I'm this, I'm this young man and I don't really get it, so can you give me wisdom? And then we have Jesus who is this young man. And he's living life and he's trying to grow in wisdom. So I'll read it to you. It says, When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, and it says he was filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. So I took some time and I actually researched what did they mean, what did the author mean, Luke, when he used the Greek word for wisdom. And that Greek word for wisdom literally means the wisdom of God. So it was like God here on earth, his sort of wisdom operating in our midst, okay? And so he has this sort of wisdom, this, this unique representation of the ways of God. The child grew and became strong. He filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Now every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up as, a, as usual for the festival. When the festival was ended and they started to return, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents did not know it. So Jesus is at the temple. His parents left. They don't notice that Jesus is at the temple because they've left, right? Fast forward in the story. They realize eventually that Jesus is gone. And he says something really interesting to them because they have great anxiety as any parent would when they realize that their child is missing. I know I have. Um, said, child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. And he said to them, why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth, and he was obedient to them. And his mother treasured all these things in her heart. Verse 52 says, And Jesus increased in wisdom, and in years, and in divine and human favor. And this really struck me because here we have a contrast between Solomon and we have a contrast between Jesus. And what we see with Jesus, even at a young age, is that he's spending time, and where is he at? He's at his father's house. And what is he doing at his father's house? He's resting fully into his relationship with his father. He's trusting fully and that is equated to wisdom. That's the connection, is that rest and trust equates to wisdom in God. See, this is a thing, I don't know what this year is going to look like for any of us. I mean, I, I've said in the past, if you look at the news, we, you, I've been reading, watching the news, I'm sure you have been, we're in precarious times right now. We don't know what tomorrow will bring. And that can cause a ton of anxiety, it can cause stress. I mean, just normal life can cause anxiety and stress, doesn't it, right? Uh, I was uh, telling Tom earlier today, Judah's been saying to me all week, I don't want to go to school, I don't want to go to school. And as we were driving by school today, he's just going like this. 
That's just normal life, right? We all remember that moment after Christmas break. We're like, no. And then adding all of our adult stuff on top of that. We don't know. We don't even know if we get tomorrow. And we don't know what the next five minutes will bring. So we can hold anticipation or we can hold expectation. My, my offering to you is that we can anticipate. Anticipate the ways of God are good and they're true and he is faithful and trustworthy. And the difference is expectation for telling God, this is what I'm going to do. Anticipation is saying, I relinquish control. I relinquish control to what it's going to look like. But in that, we're also making a statement, which is, I need your guidance and some wisdom on how to live into this day that I'm anticipating. And what we see with Jesus is, and I know this is back to basics, but it's something that we see in the beginning. What did God usher in for humanity? What was their first experience? Rest. Rest. I can't say it enough. Rest. Do you want wisdom? Rest. Do you want trust? Rest. Does that make you uncomfortable? Hopefully not. But this year, I feel like uh, it's going to be very similar to last year. It's just this momentum of work, 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 work. It's like I'm, I'm watching each of you, and you're like on my TV screen, and there's somebody like this. I know it's 1 o'clock in the morning, but I just need one more sword, right? Just Okay, 2 o'clock in the morning, two swords and a shield, right? And it, life doesn't have to be that way. It's because what I'm seeing with Jesus, and, and, and I wonder, and I really appreciate that Luke says his mother treasured all these things in her heart. What did she treasure? She treasured the ways that Jesus was growing in countercultural ways. She treasured the way that he was living into the wisdom from his father. I mean, she was seeing firsthand the way of life. That's pretty cool, isn't it? And she was just storing them away and storing them away. And you see how that impacted her life because who was there at the cross when her son was dying? Mary. Because she had treasured all those things. She had no doubt who Jesus was. Because she trusted her son. We see that later on at the wedding. Hey, can you do something about this wine situation? So I keep on saying, what are the things that you're anticipating? In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. He just spoke them into existence. He created light and dark. I wonder what rest would look like for us this year. There was something that he said was holy, and I know that this can become super religious, and we can say, oh, we need to go to church, or we need to do this, or we need to do that, we need to do this. We can do a lot of stuff. That's not my encouragement to you. I'm asking you, what does rest look like for you in 2020? What does holiness and Sabbath look like for us in 2020? Do you want wisdom? I'm, I'll tell you, like, you know, I just got a house, and I'm beginning my mail, and I'm getting all these things from taxes and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, I can really use your wisdom right now, God, <laughs> right? 
there's so many different situations that we're presented with that we just don't know what to do. It's the first time that we've ever experienced that. And my natural inclination is to scramble. My natural inclination is to do. And what I've been trying to do is, okay, rest. What are you saying about this, guys? I know that seems silly for something like taxes, but I'll just give you an example. I just set some stuff aside, mainly because I was anxious and I just couldn't deal with it. And then a couple days later, I got something in the mail that says, oh, you, get a, you can apply for this tax credit. I was like, cool. Okay, thanks for working that out. Right? How many times have you had that happen in your life? You're anxious about something, and then all of a sudden, God does something, and you're like, oh, that was unexpected. Maybe life is, a little bit, is supposed to be a little bit more like that. I'm not saying we shouldn't do things, but this is what I think Jesus is inviting us into. What does your father's house look like? In this specific situation, it was a temple. Does it look like you waking up a little bit early and just devoting time and attention to your relationship with God? Does it look like calling somebody and praying? I, I don't know what it looks like. And so finally, uh, I'll say with this, I know it hasn't been an hour and a half yet. Um, <laughs> I want you to really consider, I've said rest, I've said wisdom, what does trust look like for you this year? Um, one of the things that I've stored away in my heart with my kids, especially with the bunk bed, is uh, watching my three-year-old climb up to places that he shouldn't right in front of me and jumping and just trusting that I'm going to catch him. Number one, I think he has lots of guts that he would do that right in front of me. You know, like, I just told you don't do that, right? But that he just jumps right into my arms because he trusts that I'm going to catch him. I want to have faith like that with my relationship with God. Is that I can climb up to places that maybe I feel like I shouldn't go or maybe I know I shouldn't go and just jump with reckless abandon and say, God, I, I trust you. And I don't know what that's going to look like for us this year. I don't know what that's going to look like in terms of relationships. I don't know what that's going to look like in terms of your walk with God and my walk with God. Um, maybe, maybe you're hurting and it's really hard right now to pick up the Bible because it's hard. And so maybe it's an act of trust just to even pray. Maybe it's an act of trust just to even read Scripture again. I don't know. But what does trust look like? I won't pretend to have all the answers for you, but I do have lots of questions. I'm really good at questions, right? What does trust look like? What does rest look like? What does wisdom look like? Because I want you, not just today, but in the coming weeks, to ask God these questions. This is just a taster. The real main course is during the week in your dialogue with God. Let me pray for that for us this morning. God, we see... Um, and the real person of Solomon, a man with unbelievable wisdom, and even at a young age, with great responsibility, and um, he knew that the best thing that he could do was seek your wisdom. But inevitably, even the best sort of wisdom faltered. And then you point us to who you are in your perfection, living in a fully human way, that you show us that wisdom looks like 
coming to you, pursuing you, finding rest in you, trusting you. And God, I, I can't really shake that. I can't shake what's going on in our culture, which is to do and to be and to do all of this stuff, and we get pushed into it, and suddenly we find ourselves in places that we don't even want to be in. Um, and you show us and you invite us into a different way. And so I pray that for us as a community, as a family, as house of God, what does it look like um, just to go back to the basics and to rest in you, to trust you in everything that we do and everything that we are? Would you give us uh, the courage to do that? Would you give us the peace and the wholeness to do that? Uh, God, I know that we're people that like answers, and, um, and I don't see that as a promise from you. I don't think that you're saying that we're going to get all the answers, but I do think that you will provide rest. And so for those of us that are looking for answers and searching for answers, um, can you just reemphasize to us that your promise is rest and wholeness? that sometimes that answers that we're looking for, they're just not going to come. God, uh, thank you for this new beginning that we have, this new year, this new um, decade, but we know that it's not promised. So would you show us what it looks like to warmly receive your ways and your words and, um, and to anticipate your faithfulness in this coming year? We thank you for all the ways that you worked in 2019, how you grew us and matured us. And we pray for more of the same in this coming day and year. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.